0: I've okay. never encountered him in any class I mean his stuff is everywhere he's mm-hmm. a very famous author and his things that's a lot to talk about in mm-hmm. Murakami novels
1: Hi, and welcome back to The Plot, a podcast on writing and how our words and stories are shaping the world today. I'm Sean Douglas. I'm an arts journalist and podcaster. And for this episode, I'm joined again by my friend, Lauren McCrimmon, for part two of our conversation on the literary canon. If you haven't heard part one yet, I would encourage you to listen to that first as this show picks up where that one left off. And it will feel kind of out of context if you didn't hear part one. But just to recap, we are looking at the list of the most assigned literary texts in colleges as documented by opensyllabus.org, to ask, how do we decide what gets to be included in the literary canon, and what major texts do we feel get over or underrepresented by our education system? In the last episode, we discussed many of the most read books from the list, like Frankenstein, The Canterbury Tales, or The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, and so for part two, we're going to focus more on what changes we would want to see to how the canon gets taught. What books or works do we want to see receive more attention? And how would we make room for them in already packed syllabi? We also consider how the canon could be more generous in its inclusion of other genres, like science fiction or fantasy, and how to bring more writers from other countries into our classrooms. This episode is a bit on the shorter side and serves as more of a coda to part one, but there's still plenty to discuss on James Baldwin, Haruki Murakami, and even the role journalism can play on course syllabi. Where we last left off in part one, we had just been starting to look at what we'd want to see taught more often. I had suggested replacing some of Shakespeare's massive presence across syllabi with more Chekhov, and the ball is now in Lauren's court. So let's pick up from there, starting with her thoughts. What are some books that you would take off? Because I feel like it's harder with theater because theater gets assigned so infrequently. Right. There really aren't a lot of ones other than Shakespeare where you can be like, "Eh, this is probably overdone. But I feel like with books, it's a lot easier to say this shows up all the time and maybe it doesn't have to.
0: Yeah. Some ones that we read in high school would be like The Crucible, which (laughs) doesn't really add a whole lot, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Like I I, I don't know. It's kind of from an odd time in American history that... Mm -hmm. And that's a play again. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. But Crucible... uh, Um. Scarlet Letter, just because I really disliked it. <laughs> Which maybe isn't the best reason for taking it off a literary canon, but... I, Did it I, get assigned to you like a bunch? Oh, yeah. Did you
1: have to encounter it over I, and over I encountered it okay. over
0: and over, and I hated every single time I had to read it. <laughs> so those are just like a
1: few that yeah. I can think
0: of off the top of my head.
1: I didn't hate a Scarlet Letter. Like, I, I guess I, I thought it was fine. Mm-hmm. It just felt like it was... Like, Did it add anything? It was overanalyzed,
0: yeah. I feel like. Oh my god. Like Every the, single word <laughs> yeah. was a meaning for something else. Mm-hmm.
1: For for a novel that is kind of on the nose in certain ways. Right. Not that there's not depth there. Right. But it's it's not difficult to comprehend. For he wasn't writing he this would, on a different you know, plane of existence. Yeah. That we
0: can only comprehend parts of it. This yeah. isn't Ulysses.
1: Yeah. Like this is a high school level. Uh, right. You know. Not that it can't be higher scholarship, but like we, we did it in high school and I feel like
0: I get it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, things like that. Another thing we were talking about was Things That Carried by Tim O'Brien, which mm-hmm. I've read like seven times and you've mm-hmm. encountered multiple times. Mm-hmm. There's so many good books out there mm-hmm. looking at the Vietnam War. So many. Yeah. It's <laughs> just, mm-hmm. just incredible amounts. And also ones from like journalism sources, nonfiction looks mm-hmm. at the uh, you know, Vietnam war that mm-hmm. you can substitute instead.
1: Yeah. That would be cool to just read news. From oh the time yeah. period. Like, I don't know that we ever did that.
0: I've That'd only really done cool. it in a few classes and it's always fascinating mm-hmm. because if you have a good journalist, it's, I mean, it's, it's compelling writing mm-hmm. the same as if you'd read from a novel mm-hmm. and it gives such a good overview of what the time period is like you know, teaching English, especially in regards to, like, history and bringing all of that in. Uh, So I would love to see inclusion of that into some of the literary canon. Mm -hmm.
1: Are there any authors that you feel like you know now that you didn't know back then, that looking back, you're like, why were they not covered?
0: Murakami? I've never encountered Mm -hmm. him in any class. I mean, his stuff is everywhere he's mm-hmm. a very famous author and his things, it's a lot to talk about in mm-hmm. Murakami novels. And you can read, you can mm-hmm. sign like elephant vanishes, which is short story collection. If you don't mm-hmm. want to read, you know, the entirety of one Q 84, which is yeah, very long, several <laughs> thousand plus pages. <laughs> so there's certainly ways to add him in that I think would also bring in, you know, here's like an Asian author. Mm-hmm. It's something that's, it's written. It, it is, its translation i think he does write it in japanese but he's involved heavily in the translation process so it's looking at things like that it's okay. just adding in something something different mm-hmm. here it's not something by like a western white man
1: yeah and i feel like even it's like modern lit in general yeah like it's there would be like a modern added. lit class right. if you wanted to do that or there'd be some kind of higher concept, like I took a like literature and globalization class that mm, I really mm-hmm. liked, and that was a lot of modern stuff. But for some reason, the more modern stuff was not in classes that were not specifically devoted to it.
0: Right. If you were taking an English literature class, you could pretty fairly guess what books were going to be taught there.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that I didn't have more James Baldwin. Okay. In one African-American drama class, mm-hmm. we read Blues for Mr. Charlie, which is a play that's sort of loosely inspired by like the Emmett Till oh, okay. situation, but it's it's fiction. Um, but he just has so many more major things than that play mm-hmm. that he just like never came up in any of the other classes, and he feels like such a major person to have been excluded.
0: Right. So another thing we can talk about a bit is genres mm-hmm. in the canon. Yeah. I mean, what genres are represented Mm -hmm. not a whole lot (laughs) how many science fiction books have you read Mm -hmm. that are assigned this is important that aren't
1: frankenstein
0: (laughs) uh exactly (laughs) not many Mm -hmm. or fantasy is not really included Mm -hmm. there's things like um
1: like like slave narratives for example yeah when you read older African American lit, obviously they had limited experiences available to them, but there were writings that weren't slave narratives. And it'd be great to just have something else, like.
0: Right, just to
1: that round that more out. Of that. Right,
0: yeah. versus here is one, it's obviously major, mm-hmm. but just enriches, enriches that a little bit more. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, by all means, like, teach kids about slavery. Just. <laughs> yes, just, please. Uh, the literary tradition is richer than that at the same time that hopefully right. we can also find a way to do that.
0: So we're talking about a lot of books. Mm-hmm. The problem is we don't have the time. Yeah. Right. You mm-hmm. have a limited amount of time in classes at mm-hmm. the very least, unless you're, you know, someone who's reading these things on your own, that's different. Mm-hmm. But being taught in schools. So you've got me, you know, eight to 10 books, let's say. Mm-hmm. How do you narrow that down? So you've got... You know, your high school classes here, the books you're reading, which books are those? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And then you get to college, and if you're not uh, an English major or somebody who's, you know, uh, doing any sort of reading or writing, Mm -hmm. you know, you might be... Not to say you're not doing reading or writing, but that's not the main focus. Mm -hmm. You know, you're engineering or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So you've got... One shot
1: here's your English
0: class what do you have that encompasses Greek every mythology. single piece of writing <laughs> in the history of the human you know human race what do you teach? I don't know that's yeah, hard it's it's incredibly hard you know I, I taught English as a second language in Korea for about six years mm-hmm. and I didn't really have a lot of time to you know teach books. It was mm-hmm. grammar, it was a lot of speaking and listening, and I was taking advantage of having an English-speaking teacher there, or native English-speaking teacher, I should say. Um, but a lot of students would come up and would ask me for book recommendations, something that they could read in English, kind of on the side. And so a lot of that as a teacher was finding out students' interests. Okay, the students is super interested in sports. The students is really interested in dance or theater or mm. music. What books can I find that are on their level that are going to draw them in and make them want to keep reading it? So is that like a responsibility teachers here should have as well in getting mm. to know their, their classes and their students? Like, you know, here's what we're reading in class. Mm. That's, you know, we have to read this. This is the canon. But, on the side, here's books that you're actually going to enjoy.
1: And there should be there's an overlap in that Venn diagram. Yeah. You just have to figure out what it is. Exactly. And you also kind of have to teach kids how to read something that they don't necessarily enjoy. Cuz yeah. life isn't always about just reading things that are fun. <laughs> and I think that's an even harder thing sometimes to be like, you know, this is important and it really captures what's going on in this time period. Yeah. And to be an informed person, you got to kind of know this. Right. So it might not be fun, <laughs> but there's a reason that some people are getting something out of this, so hopefully you can try.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think with a lot of that, too, being able to put that in a historical context. So rather than reading the book in a void, like we are going to read The Crucible. I'm not going to give you any history on it. We're just going to read it. Like... That doesn't really work, you yeah. don't get anything out of it. yeah, you need to be able to set a scene, talk about what's going on at the time period of the time. Mm-hmm. Why is this book or this play? why is this poem, short story, etc? Why is this important? Mm-hmm. What does this say? What does this tell us about people's reactions to history? you know what's mm-hmm. happening, and how has this changed you know people's perceptions
1: Like you can't do that without talking about. Witch Trials, but also McCarthyism. Right. Um, So what did you recommend? If a Korean student came to you and wanted a recommendation, what did you tend to point them to?
0: Oh, um, so it really depended on the student and their level. Uh, A lot of my students were reading at a lower level, which it's fair. It's at their second language or their third language. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of grade school books... So things like Coles got recommended a lot. Just interesting. Mm-hmm. They I've never had a student that disliked reading it. Um, there's a lot of Magic Tree House that went out because <laughs> it's a really easy to pick a genre that they like. If you like animals? Great! I've got a Magic Tree House book <laughs> for you. Um, and it was it's just a chapter book. I mean, it's for you know, young children, but it's still got enough. That they don't feel like they're reading a book for babies. Yeah. That, you know, it's it's their level or a little bit above where they're learning something from it. And it's got a story they can follow without it being, you know, here, read, you know, this Murakami novel. Because <laughs> this sounds in- super interesting. and I think you'd like this. <laughs> I'm sure they would. They're not going to understand it. So it's always a challenge of finding that balance between... Mm-hmm this is something you're going to be interested in. It's difficult enough that you don't feel like I'm giving you a book for a five-year-old. And you know, it's something that you're actually learning. Um, you're actually learning English grammar or vocabulary from it. Yeah,
1: I would think that's hard to find books for someone who's not as skilled with the language, right. but they're emotionally mature. Yes. Cause so often it's tied to being like, Oh, you don't know the language because you are younger. And you are learning it for the first time,
0: right? So that's difficult, and there's not a whole lot of books out there that are written with that purpose in mind. Mm-hmm. Of here's an interesting story. If you're four, yeah. <laughs> um. So, a oh, one I did recommend a lot was Hatchet. Okay, so it's Gary yeah. Paulson. Yeah, yeah. So that is again a book that you can read in elementary school, but it has something. Yeah, there. It's it's, it's a little good old bit more of, a story. of the
1: books book. If you ever yep. did that, oh yeah, yep.
0: absolutely. Mm-hmm. So
1: I think that we can wrap this up there. Do you have any final comments or any other things you feel like we didn't get to?
0: Uh, no, I think we got to a lot more than we were planning on. Yeah, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> I mean, the English canon is a ton of content. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even talk about like other countries. Yeah. What. Counts as like canon and in in their country.
1: <laughs> what is the West?
0: <laughs> exactly. Like if you go to Japan, well, what's Western canon there, yeah. and what books are they reading? Mm-hmm. So
1: yeah, I should find some good people to talk to about that.
0: Yeah, that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. I'd actually really like to know. I have mm-hmm. no idea.
1: So this wraps up our conversation about every book in English ever written,
0: and to be written. Yeah covers literally everything
1: and now i'm going to be thinking about all the things that i was never officially taught that i still need to go back and read especially from this list
0: yeah in the first 50 i think i've only actually read about half of them
1: and that wraps up our conversation on the literary canon as we said there is a lot we didn't get to but I think two episodes should be more than enough on the subject for the time being, and hopefully it gave you something to think about or some recommendation on a book you didn't encounter that could be worth looking up now. Once again, we want to thank the Open Syllabus Project for the research we used in these past two episodes, and you can read more of their findings at opensyllabus.org. The plot is a production from me, Sean Douglas, Lauren McCrimmon was my associate producer on this episode, and the credits theme music is by Tan Chong Yu. If you like this show, please subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you know anyone who you think might find this podcast interesting, please consider recommending it to them, as recommendations play a big role in how people discover new podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore Sean Douglas underscore, and this show at The Plot Podcast. We'll be back again in two weeks, which should give you just enough time to reanalyze every word of The Scarlet Letter. But until then, that's our show, and thank you for listening.